Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. funny some of our church groups text during church and I know this because I'm, they forget I'm part of some of those groups so I'm getting I'm getting your all's messages here just saying I know who you are <laughs> don't make me name names from pulpit <laughs> so what a wonderful weekend we had last weekend just celebrating the resurrection and and it was just a beautiful morning from the get-go. I mean, going out to Pickard Farm for the sunrise service was just uh, gorgeous. A gorgeous way to start the morning and the sun coming up and just thinking about Christ coming out of that grave alive. And then coming here and having such a wonderful morning of worship and just celebration. Just a great, one of the really honestly, one of the, the best Easter weekends that I remember in a very, very long time. And I hope that was the same for you. As you can see, we're only going to be preaching from two verses this morning compared to however many from last week. So plan on beating the Methodist and everybody else to lunch today. Uh, but this morning, just saying, we're going to continue with our reading plan. And it does bring us to another one of the Psalms this morning, Psalm chapter 9. And uh, next week, we're going to be back in the narrative books, you know, looking at some of the stories that coincide with these psalms. Uh, but for today, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 9. Now, I, I, personally, I, I've been reflecting over our reading uh, and going through where we're at in the Word. And, and for me, and maybe it's just me, but I have found the psalms to be so much more rewarding to read through this go-around than in times past. And we kind of talked about that in our D group this week. And we kind of thought perhaps it's more meaningful reading through the Psalms in the context in which they were written. For example, you read through the books of Samuel and you read about the life of King David and the things that David's going through. And then you turn over and you read from a Psalm that David may have written reflecting his thoughts and his prayers during that time he was going through these events in his life. And to me it just brings a whole new meaning to the words of the Psalms. So it kind of goes back to reading Scripture within the context in which the Scripture was written, right? It just makes it so much more meaningful. So the Psalms are a treasure trove of different praises and prayers and, and even all kinds of just encouragements. Really for just about any situation in life, you can flip over to the book of Psalms and find something that speaks to you and your situation that you're in. And I love the Psalms. And this morning... In Psalm chapter 9, we're going to hone in on the deep thankfulness from King David's heart here in these first two verses in chapter 9. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think the enemy wants us to hear this message this morning. I don't think the enemy wants you to think about praising the Lord any better. I don't think he likes the idea of you thinking about the glory and the majesty of God in a new way and just... Praising him out of that abundance of your, I mean, he just don't want you to hear this. Anyway, it's been obvious all morning. 
So here we go. Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Notice what the Lord says through King David. I will thank the Lord with all of my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. I will rejoice and boast about you. And I will sing about your name, Most High. You read this psalm this week in your reading plan in the context of King Saul, the first king of Israel, finally losing his life. Now I know that may not sound like a good thing, but if you're King David, this is a good thing. And you begin to read about the house of Saul and those that were loyal to King Saul losing to the house of David, who will become the second king of Israel. And David finally for a long time, he's able to somewhat sit back and just relax. And so this psalm was written primarily as a, a thanksgiving to celebrate God's deliverance. Now, a little side note, you'll read 9 and 10 together this week because a lot of people believe that 9 and 10 actually were one psalm originally. They went together as one chapter, one psalm. And so this, I think, is a timely message for us this morning because how many believe we have a lot to be thankful for today? Amen. In light of Christ's resurrection that we celebrated last week, we have a lot to be thankful for this morning. And typically, I thought about this, we really only stop one time a year to give thanks. And that's on our national holiday of Thanksgiving. And we just go out through the rest of the year and every now and then we'll say, well, yeah, I got a lot to be thankful for. Praise God. Look at all he's done. But normally we just stop one time a year in November. To thank God for all that He's done. But I believe this is something we should do outside of even Thanksgiving. The late, great Charles Spurgeon would agree. And he said this. He said, Brethren, we ought to be always thanks living. I think that it is better than Thanksgiving. Thanks living. He said, How is this to be done? By general cheerfulness of manner. Some of us need to work on that. Self-included. By an obedience to the command of Him by whose mercy we live. By a perpetual, constant, delighting ourselves in the Lord and submission of our desires to His mind. He says, I wish that our whole life might be a psalm. That every day might be a stanza of one of these mighty poems. So that from the day of our spiritual birth until we enter heaven, we might be pouring forth sacred minstrels minstrelsy, and it's an old word, in every thought and word and action of our lives. He says, let us give him thankfulness and thanks living. We'll talk a little bit more about thanks living tonight and what it means to live a life of worship and perpetual thanks to the Lord. But for now, let's look at four key pieces in these two verses. There's four ways to say thank you, Lord, this morning. And the first is thank you, Lord, for right now. In other words, thank you, Lord, no matter what my circumstances are in this moment. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, no matter what my situation in life is today or even this hour. Thank you, Lord. David says, I will thank the Lord with all of my heart. Now, this type of psalm is usually written in response to a very dire situation, which we see King David in many times throughout his life, certainly at this point. And it's usually written in the anticipation 
of God's future deliverance. Sometimes it's written in response to God's deliverance, but often it's written expecting God to do something and thanking Him for that. In either case, you can almost imagine King David sitting down, being delivered from King Saul's hand, and just thanking God for his faithfulness, thanking God for his deliverance from the hand of King Saul and all of his enemies that he's been running from and hiding from. As we read the storyline leading up to David's, I guess, moment of deliverance in this section of Scripture, you read about David wrestling with with God in a sense. He wrestles in his spirit and he has this, this fear, he has this frustration that he's, he's dealing with. I mean, always being on the run from Saul, hiding from Saul, having opportunities to kill Saul and not taking them because he trusts the Lord, just always looking over your shoulder. And even in those moments before God delivers David, you got to love David's faith and trust in the Lord. Even in those moments before God removes Saul, even when, when, when he's wrestling with God's goodness and he's begging for God's help, and you read other Psalms, and in these moments, David is saying things like, God, just, just save me. God, vindicate me. God, hear my prayer. Have you ever prayed prayers like that? He always comes back around and he says, but I will praise you. Thank you, Lord. Saying things like, I will praise your name, Yahweh, because it is good. David learned a very important lesson in life that most of us need to grasp. And that is, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in, we praise the Lord. Our situation may not be a good situation, but our God is always good. And He is always worthy of our praise. And this is something that you see clear in spite of His many faults and failures. You see this principle very clear in King David's life. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful for the present, isn't it? When the present gets pretty tough, it's hard to say, God, thank you for letting me go through this today. I'm so grateful for this. The problem is that sometimes it's just tough. And we can look back and we can thank God for being there in our past, for past deliverance. We can look forward in faith to a future, but we got to remember the God of our past and the God of our future is still the God of our present, no matter what that present may look like. And David says, I'll thank the Lord with all of my heart. And I think one of the problems is that our hearts, or maybe this is just me, but our hearts get a little hard sometimes, don't they? Mostly because of the current situation we may find ourselves in and we we allow that heart to harden and we don't want to thank the Lord sometimes if we're honest we just don't feel like praising God even though he is due all of our praise but David's teaching us that we are to praise God in every single situation in every circumstance out of the love that we have in our hearts for God with all of our heart all of our soul all of our mind all of our strength praise him even with the hard parts of your heart because even those belong to him. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? How do I praise God when I don't feel like praising God? How do I praise God when I don't think I'm dealing with anything that's praiseworthy? Well, I boil it down to one word from last week. Jesus. Adrian Rogers said, in my estimation, you cannot truly give thanks to God Unless you do it through Jesus. 
Jesus is the dynamic. He is the power of it. And if you ever doubt the love of God, just look at the cross, says Adrian Rogers. It's like we talked about last week, folks. Because of the cross, because of the power of Christ's resurrection, there is again, I've said it a thousand times, nothing in this life that can defeat you. Even death itself is swallowed up in victory. And so even if you're on your deathbed or your loved ones are dying, you still have a reason to give God glory. Even when it's tough. Second thing, we can thank the Lord for all that you've done. Now this one should be fairly easy. David says, I will declare all your wondrous Works And throughout his many writings, David wrote many of the Psalms more than anyone else. He'll capture a lot of the things that the Lord has done in his own life. But he'll also reiterate some of the things God has done in the past. Like uh, delivering his people from Egypt and bringing them through the Red Sea and providing for them in the wilderness. And the language that David uses here, and still in verse 1, it literally means what David does. To write down... All the good things that the Lord has done. Now on one hand, we should declare to the, to the world and to the others in our lives what God's done for us. And I think that's part of sharing the gospel message and telling people the good news. And here's what He's done for me. And He also sent His Son to die for you that you could have eternal life. And, and the whole gospel story, that's part of this. But on the other hand, could you imagine, just, just think for a moment. If we actually took the time... To write down everything that the Lord has done. At the end of the day, you sit down and you say, Okay, God, he did, wow, He did this. And he, he did do that. Yeah, he, he was with me in this moment. That's why I recommend a, something like a prayer journal. We pray a lot of prayers. And it's good to write those things down and then go back and say, Wow, God really did hear my prayer." God really did work in this situation. God really did answer my little old prayer. If we don't do this, what happens is we tend to forget just how good the Lord is and what He's done. We begin, begin to be, just be less thankful. As Spurgeon says, we begin to be less cheerful and grateful. We need to do what the old song says that we sang this morning, and that's just simply count our blessings. I'm not a big fan of the tune, to be honest with you, but I love the words. Uh, count your blessings, name them one by one, and see what the Lord has done. Folks, that's a powerful thing. Do you realize that? It's both therapeutic for you, but it also deepens your trust in the Lord, saying, my goodness, look what my God has done for me and in my life. And then you tell others, what's this look like? Well, again, I think it should be the easiest one because all of us can look at our own life and say, God has done a lot. He's done a lot for me personally. I think if you can't think of anything in your prayer time to, th to thank God for, start at the very beginning and go back to that moment of creation. Just say, God, you know what? Thank you for being my creator. Thank you for your creation. Thank you, God, for making mankind in your image and, and even for making me and for giving me life. 
And then as you begin to think through this, you got to think, well, wait a minute, man sinned, so God, thank you for sparing mankind even when he sinned against you. Thank you, God, for making a means of salvation through your son Jesus, and thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for saving my family who have come to faith in Christ, and thank you for getting me up this morning, and thank you, Lord, for my church and my church family and allowing me to come and sing your praises with others, and thank you, Lord, for entrusting me with your gospel that I could share that with other people. God, just thank you for this life that you've blessed me with. You start at the beginning, folks, and it just begins to roll. And we've got a lot, a lot, a lot to be thankful for. David doesn't leave it at that, though, does he? We move forward, and the third thing to be thankful for is, God, thank you for what you are. David says, I will rejoice and boast about you. So rather than just write it or keep a record of all that the Lord's done, I'm going to actually tell others about my Lord. Here's what He's done for me. Let me tell you something about Him. And David uses this incredible word, rejoice. It means that I'm going to find joy in the attributes of my God. And when David says, I'm going to boast about Him, it really doesn't mean that I'm just going to brag on the Lord, even though I kind of like that idea bragging on the things that God has done and and telling people about all these wonderful things, but it literally means to exalt in Him. Or, to put it in our terms, to wallow in God's goodness is what it really means. Now, when we typically use the word wallowing in something, or that phrase, it's usually not good, is it? But David uses it in the context of wallowing wallowing in the goodness of God. And what it means is I'm just going to meditate on the goodness of God to the point that I just start soaking it up. And I begin to reflect that to others. Now what's the difference between thanking God for what He's done and thanking Him for what He is? Well, When we talk about what God is, we think of those divine attributes of God. And we think of those things, for example, further down in the psalm, David will say things like, the Lord sits enthroned forever. And so the thing that that the Lord does is He sits enthroned. He's the man, He's the God in charge, right? But David uses that word forever. In other words, God is eternal. And then David says He judges the world with righteousness. And so the thing that he does is he judges the world. God, thank you for your, your judgment. We need it. But David says he does it in righteousness. And David is praising God for being righteous, a righteous judge. It's what God is. And so as you read through the whole narrative of Scripture, you're going to find some cases like in the book of Psalms where we see these attributes of God just explicitly thrown out there like David does. Then in other parts of Scripture, you're going to see the the principle behind these things. It's not just explicit. And so Scripture as a whole, let me give you some examples. Scripture as a whole teaches us things like the fact that God is infinite. There was never a time that God was not. He always was existing in the person of the Trinity. The Bible says that God is before all things and in Him all things hold together. The Bible teaches that God is immutable. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. 
The Bible teaches us that God is omnipotent, meaning God is all-powerful. He has all the power. That He's omniscient, meaning He is all-knowing. There is nothing that God does not know. That He is omnipresent, meaning that He is everywhere in every time. And there's no place that you can go, no matter how hard you may try in times in your life, there's no place you can go to get away from the very presence of God. The psalmist will go on to say, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. The Bible teaches us many things about our God. And this is why, church, you've got to read your Bible. Because you need to know what your God is like. The Bible teaches that God is perfectly wise, that He is entirely faithful, that He is abundantly good, that He is completely just in everything that He does, that He is exceedingly merciful, that He is exceptionally gracious, unconditionally loving, that He is perfectly holy and just absolutely, splendidly, fantastically. All the adverbs you can throw in there, glorious in His majesty. And you know that because the Bible tells me so. Thank God for what He is. Thank God for what He's done. Sometimes you just need to take a moment and thank God for who He is. And that's the last thing we learned from King David this morning. Thank you, Lord, not just for what you are, but for who you are. David had a very unique relationship with the Lord. He knew to who he was singing to. He knew who he was talking to when he prayed. Even those difficult prayers. David ends verse 2 saying, I will sing about your name, Most High. I like that King David was a man of music. I think we would have got along pretty good. I can imagine him out there in the fields making up some songs, humming some tunes. We read about him playing in the court of King Saul. And I just, I, I, I love that he's such a strong, mighty warrior man of God, but he's a man of music. And I just think that's pretty awesome. He enjoyed using those talents God gave him. But notice that David's not talking about what God, praising God for what he's done or even what he's like at this point. He's praising God for who God is. There have been several moments in my life where I needed to be reminded of this. Now, I'll give you one simple example. One time, many years ago, I was at a church community event type deal, and I was in a bad mood. Everybody, anybody ever get in a bad mood? I get in a bad mood sometimes. All right? And when I went to this event, all I could think about was how the music could be better, how the preaching could be better, how these different preachers were trying to just... Uh, what do preachers do when they preach after one? They try to outdo the other one. You know how that is? And I just had all these negative thoughts. And we were, as a community, standing there praising the Lord. And I just honestly did not feel like praising God because of all these emotions and thoughts. And then something hit me. It's almost like a little voice said, It don't matter what you feel like. It don't matter what kind of little bad mood you're in today. God is on His throne. And He deserves 
even your praise. And so I said, all right, that's fair, Lord. So I just lifted my hands up and just closed my eyes. And I just focused on God for a moment for who God was. And I don't know if anybody else in the room came into the presence of God, but I know that I did. Because my heart was finally in the right place. This phrase used by David, it's found all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's translated from the word Elohim. Sometimes it's from the combination of Elohim, Yahweh, for Most High God. And what David's saying is that our God is the highest of all gods. We've read about these false gods. We've read about all these idols that even the Israelites, the people of God, have turned to. But our God is Most High God, deserving the highest praise. And to be the Most High God means that none other compares to Him. That no idol, no false god, no created thing, no experience in life can ever compare to the Most High God. And so the Bible teaches us that not only is He Most High God, have you ever studied the names of God throughout Scripture? Do you know what the Bible calls our God? It's so rich, the many names that He's referred to. Of course, we know that He's our Creator and our sustainer, and our sovereign king, right? But he's so much more than even that. There's another phrase that David will use. He'll call the Lord Jehovah-Rohi, meaning he's the Lord my shepherd. <laughs> your shepherd. Your chief shepherd. Your good shepherd. Abraham will call him Jehovah-Jireh when he provided that ram to take the place of his son, meaning the Lord will provide. You go all throughout Scripture. Folks, this is again why you got to read it. He's called Jehovah Rapha, meaning the Lord my healer. Now, how many have met your healer before? <laughs> oh, it's so rich. As the children of Israel marched around, they marched under the banner of the Lord, Jehovah Nisi, meaning the Lord. My banner, Jehovah, M. Kadesh, meaning my Lord who sanctifies me. He cleanses you. He sets you apart. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed peace in your life? It's his name, Jehovah Shalom. And he's called Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but Tyler's righteousness just don't add up. And I need the Lord. My righteousness. He's the Lord most high. And you know, and you put all this together and you start thinking about just who God is. And all of His majesty and all of His splendor and all of His glory. And then you think about this. You think, this God, this most high God wants to know me personally. He wants to have a personal relationship with me to the point that this most high God sacrificed His only Son to make that possible. That you could be saved. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. What, I mean, what something to be thankful for this morning. Stand with us as we close this morning. I want to ask you this question today. It's, it's, it's our, our challenge, our invitation. 
If you look through all the attributes of God, the, the names of God, the things that God has done, and, and honestly, you can boil it down to one thing. God is good. He is good all the time, and all the time He's good, and He will never fail. You will never do anything wrong. He's just good. And my question for you this morning in light of Psalm, 1, Psalm 9, 1 and 2 is have you ever forgotten that truth? Have you ever got so consumed with life and circumstances and even some of the most horrific, painful things that life can throw at a person and you forget for a moment that God is still good? If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to take some time this week Start praising God for His goodness. Praising Him for who He is. If nothing else, if you can't think of one good thing to thank Him for, thank God for who He is. And that He is good. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You. Thank You, God, so much for who You are. God, we can't even wrap our feeble minds around it. God, I think we, we get so used to reading these stories about you doing things with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob and David and Gideon. And we forget that's our God. <laughs> and that you are the same today as you were even then. And God, to think that you would love us enough to allow your own son to die for us. God, we thank you for that. And God, this morning, if there's someone that needs a relationship with Jesus, God, I pray they'd be saved today. God, if there's someone that has forgotten just how wonderful you are, God, I pray as David would pray, God, today, restore the joy of their salvation to them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing a song of invitation, I just encourage everyone just to lift your praise to the Lord this afternoon. If there's a decision that you need to make, if you want to pray, if you want to be saved this morning, why don't you come as we sing? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.